0: understand it's uh, i have the two monitors oh, I should, wait I a should minute the guy looking to make sure that it's, you
1: probably uh, should okay i yeah. think we're live now uh, yeah i just feel give like it a, a few seconds yeah give but, it a few seconds yes, we're there all right so round two uh welcome to haven of horror this is episode 12 shut up austin uh <laughs> we have a special guest star dan tory uh hey
2: everybody thanks for being on the show man thanks for having me i'm excited to be here and uh uh, good to be talking to you guys too
1: yeah so uh just before we we get into the movies obviously we do a little just like downtime talk uh what what uh other than the movie we're taught one of the movies we're talking about tonight what are some of your other like f- just favorite horror movies
0: ah
2: uh, let's see so i like the original john carpenter halloween a lot that's one of my favorites hell yeah um that's that's definitely up there for me um Let's see. I really like um Bram Stoker's Dracula, the um Francis Ford Coppola um adaptation because I'm am I'm a big fan of that novel. Um I like the original um Universal Horror Frankenstein movie because I, I that's also I read all these like um horror novels when I was a kid. I got like a a set of them at a bookstore um that like were kind of the basis for some of that universal classic horror stuff. So um, I've watched through some of those, uh, you know, the classic ones when I was a kid, I went to the video store and rented them. So, um, that's kind of like, um, the stuff I like, like the old monster movies, stuff like that as well. Um, good stuff.
3: Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, we used to have to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula in high school, like every Halloween because it was my drama teacher's favorite horror film.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
3: Yeah. We used to watch that all the time.
2: It's definitely, I think... So, like, the novel is a little less um, obvious, the fact that he's, like, a mustache-twirling villain at the, at the beginning. But, like, I, I like the atmosphere and how faithful that is to, like, certain aspects of the book. Um, they, they kind of shoehorn a romance plot into it, but I like that they sort of go and, and uh, incorporate the historical influence from Vlad the Impaler and kind of, like, connect that to it at the beginning. Like, I thought that was always a cool, like, you know, incorporation for the film.
3: Oh yeah, and he's got that awesome red armor. Yeah, that it's so goofy great.
2: looking. <laughs> he looks like a I haven't penis, seen that
3: red. in years. Well, <laughs> um, and also thing because he he goes from that armor to like the big like goofy like ball hair. Yeah.
1: Also, uh, just real quick, hello Noah and Josh. Thanks for hanging out, guys. Always good to see you. Welcome. Um, man. I didn't really, I didn't really think about bringing any kind of news like we usually do. So we're just going to skip that for now uh so what just real quick what's uh, And austin never brings anything anyway uh i got no (laughs) news yeah (laughs) so what what is uh what's everybody been up to we we took a week off uh because of easter and everything and we weren't sure we'd have enough time to watch everything and then we were able to get dan on the show so we said you know what fuck it we'll do the shining and uh doctor sleep uh yeah austin is
0: spared from watching anime for another week
3: right <laughs> that's exactly why because dan was like uh so when are we doing this so i was like how about this week
2: <laughs> oh were you guys gonna watch an anime horror movie
0: it was a uh, vampire hunter d and its sequel vampire uh hunter d of bloodlust
2: oh that's cool i've heard um eric uh from geek Evolution talk about that kind of stuff before mm-hmm. he's a big fan of that stuff yeah.
1: yeah yeah but uh hopefully we'll do it
0: next week right austin you're, yeah, we we'll watch off, the right? anime next time. Oh, as we're, long yeah, as we're no, like
3: weird anime schoolgirls.
0: No, it's not. It's not
3: that. Thankfully.
1: Yeah, we we've made poor Milton wait two weeks, uh, three weeks already to do that because we keep putting it off. Because uh, last time we got together, we did Kong and the original King Kong and Godzilla before, which I also suggested <laughs>
3: right before
1: we were about to do anime. It's All part of the
0: plan. <laughs> it was a good episode, though. I, I love those movies. Not as much. King Kong vs. Godzilla that I just find to be a weird absurdity. But uh. oh, I love that original movie. It's so goofy. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, so as the title says, we're here to talk about The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Uh, probably one of the biggest gaps in years with, for movies that we've done, because usually the movies we do are pretty close. Unless I'm just not thinking of one. Uh, so I figured we'd just start in release order, and start with The Shining. Uh yeah, and Dan since, can't start
3: Doctor Sleep. It's a yeah. sequel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, and Dan, since this is... Uh, you're a big fan of of The Shining, of course.
2: Yes. Why don't you tell us a little bit about The Shining? Uh, so, The Shining is a uh, Stanley Kubrick-directed uh, film that came out in the 80s. I think it was 1980, right, was the release date for this one? Yeah. And... Um, it's uh, one of the classic uh, horror movies of that time. Uh, it's one of my favorite uh, horror movies of all time. One of my favorite films of all time. I haven't seen seen Stanley Kubrick's entire filmography, but I'm a big fan of his stuff that I have seen. Um, and in this one, it's sort of like um, Jack Nicholson plays uh, Jack Torrance. He's a guy who is sort of... Um, a typical American uh, male archetype in some ways. Uh, there are a lot of people that I've known that are sort of like him. And he uh, goes uh, to the Overlook Hotel in isolation with his family to take care of it for the winter. And the hotel may or may not be uh, a, have some supernatural forces in it, as we see at the beginning of the film. Um, and then he's slowly you know, driven uh, to a state of madness and tries to kill his family by the end and uh it's sort of the story of how his psyche unravels along with how that affects the rest of his family his son has uh some sort of strange psychic power connection um and yeah but damn your... why, why is it that... called the shining uh because the the psychic powers in the film uh are called shining by uh uh Dick Halloran the head chef of the of the overlook hotel which is the hotel that the family stays in in the film and um he he says that you know, people can shine and the overlook hotel is one of those kind of places. So
1: I thought you were gonna start that uh synopsis with just it's the best movie ever made. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well i I mean it's it's definitely one of my favorites at least. Um I I really, really love this film. So Yeah. It's it's a good one.
1: <laughs> I uh I've always been in the minority of I've never I've respected this movie more than I liked it. I, I can't separate the source material obviously. I'm a big fan of Stephen King books. Uh and I, I got to thinking during this watch that it reminded me of Christine in a way we sacrifice some of the character for the horror. Um but I think what it's made me cuz I really liked it this watch. And I think part of that is cuz Doctor Sleep out exists. It ha- makes me have a greater appreciation for The Shining in a good way. Um but yeah, I can't deny, you know, this is definitely a classic and Jack Nicholson is so good in this movie. I think this might be one of his best roles that I've seen.
2: Yeah, we'll have to get into it when we talk about it because uh, for we've we've had a little bit of a discussion before about like Jack Torrance as a character, which I think is one of your main contentions with the film adaptation that he's he's just kind of a different character in the book versus here. And I think Kubrick is doing something very specific with who the character of Jack Torrance is in this film that is not from what you've told, because I haven't read the book present there. Um, I, I think it's different. I I, I personally don't think it, it sacrifices character for horror, because I think this is in many ways a character study of not just Jack Torrance, but also it's sort of like a, a critique of the, the, the social dynamics between men and women in American society, at least at the time. Um, and I think that that's what interests me about it. Um, I, I I kind of like that he's kind of a crazy person going into it, but like the the brand of crazy that he is is so common that that's what's scary to me about it. You know. Um, so I, I anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get into that stuff when we talk about it. But
3: yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think it's uh, much more. It's not that he's sacrificing character. It's more he's using the shining to tell the story that he wants to
0: tell.
2: Yeah, I I would agree with that.
0: Kubrick was definitely much more interested in making a movie be on its own rather than necessarily being an adaptation, which is certainly what could piss off quite a few people who really like the book going into the movie. Quite a bit of the criticism could be that it's it's not a great movie because it's not a great adaptation. I don't agree with that, but I can also understand that to a certain degree, too. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And that's fair. That's actually an interesting angle, Dan. I hadn't really considered that um because I, I like i i know that things should stand alone but obviously like i love the book and it's hard to separate those
2: two things for me and that's totally fair
1: yeah i um, see where you're coming from but like i said with this viewing especially because now we now have dr sleep Uh i've come to appreciate this movie a great deal before uh, as a teenager it's like what is this like this isn't the shining <laughs> <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's why you have the miniseries. That's your good adaptation. No.
1: This is the no. good film. No, there, there is... Well, and it, I was kind of disappointed because when they announced Dr. Sleep, I was like, but why wouldn't you remake The Shining first? And now I kind of understand why, because obviously they know any remake of The Shining from general audiences is not going to be like the Kubrick film,
2: absolutely, uh, which yeah. is what
1: most people know.
0: Yeah, except um, for the 90s series, in Austin's opinion, because apparently that show is actually good. No, that's no, not was what he good said, <laughs> I
3: said <it> was good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah and Doctor Sleep's made because of uh, like the nostalgia for this movie right like they want Warner Brothers wants to cash in on that absolutely
2: and the I think works. it suffers from that in many ways which we'll talk about <laughs> We're yeah we we'll get there
0: to, well, the novel um, was also released in 2013 as well so it's yeah. six years Apart isn't too long for a movie adaptation of a book
1: well Um, we'll we'll, yeah like like dan said we'll get into the doctor sleep stuff uh right now we're we'll we'll focus on the shining um one thing i did notice and i'd heard about this before but it's been a while since i've seen this is the set design uh is so good that bathroom set is the way it's shot is beautiful
2: i love the set design in this and i don't know i because i'm just like such a fan of this movie um I don't know if you guys are aware, like the way Kubrick shot the movie. um, So like he studied the way that subliminal uh, messaging was conveyed in advertising when shooting this movie. That was like one of the big things he was interested in when he was writing the script and conceiving the visual look of it. So one of the things he did is he shot the hotel in such a way that like, if you were to map out all of the shots of the hotel that we see, like hallways would lead to nowhere. There are windows that lead... That, that should not be outside in the exterior shots of the hotel. There's no hedge maze, but then, like, there's people running through it. So it he, with the way that the film is shot and the way that the hotel is conceived by Kubrick, it's it, it, it creates this unsettling sort of atmosphere subliminally. That's what he was at least going for, um, where it's supposed to create this sort of, like, dreamlike prison that the characters are trapped in and they're trying to kind of navigate through. And, um, I always liked that about it a lot in the, in the native American motif, of course is very important to what the film is trying to say thematically. And I always liked that, especially like, you know, the rug design is iconic. Um, and some of the other stuff, like the, the way the hotel looks that uh, is the native American burial ground thing in the book, or was that an invention for the movie?
1: From what I remember, it's been a while from what I remember. I don't remember anything about that in the book, in the book.
2: Okay, Cool um i wasn't sure but um yeah i, I the the whole the, the hotel being built on an on a native american burial ground and and like them having to repel the the indian attacks as they were building the hotel um plus like jack when he's being his he's selling his soul to the devil he talks about the white man's burden which was the the ideology that the that the white settlers you you know sort of used to justify um civilizing the the rest of the the barbarian cultures of 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 the of the west the natives as they were as they were pushing manifest destiny like um kubrick this movie is kind of about like the social dynamics of what it means to be a man in american society in many ways and i i like that he incorporated all that even into the set design of the hotel with the native american stuff it's very cool um Oh, interesting. I, know. I think it's
3: awesome. <laughs> yeah, well, I was uh, going to mention that, too, because I knew about the, the set design, where uh, just everything's all topsy-turvy. Like, there's the, like you said, that window in... Um, in the office. Uh, in the office, yeah. It, yeah. But the office is, like, in the middle of the hotel. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I knew this. I knew, knew, this. Right I knew that
3: set design thing, but I couldn't remember
0: exactly what it was. I knew a little bit about it. I knew it was... The idea is... Isolation from reality, like from the rest of the world, as yeah. if you're trapped in its own dimension, because where it doesn't follow the rules of like any other building that exists. Um, especially the hedge maze thing is always trippy whenever I watch the film. Certainly, because yeah, I can see that it makes no freaking sense, but it's it is what it is because it follows its own rules and its own reality. Yeah.
3: Yeah, well, this movie just in general has very just trippy feel. Like there's no film that feels like The Shining. It's like I I don't find it scary because I don't find a lot of horror films scary in general. But it just has an eerie tone to it where the entire time you watch it, you're like, "Well, like this is just unsettling in a way that nothing else feels like."
2: Oh yeah, and the score does a lot for that too. Like Mm -hmm. the music in this film, sometimes it's not even music. It's just like. Unsettling notes mm-hmm. um, and yeah. it works really well in this movie in a way that like I think Doctor Sleep is just trying to cash in on oh remember the heartbeat noise from the shining, and then they like play it over random scenes um, mm-hmm. like uh, the this the the way that like sound the the sound design of this movie is incredible, and i I think that really contributes to the to the overall atmosphere and the claustrophobic nature of it. Um, it's it's so good.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, Josh, actually, like, just the theme is basically just done, Yeah, and then you get
2: the the Native American shrieking, um, which is is cool too. Like, it, I don't know, I I love the the theme as they're driving up, um, at the opening credits with all the landscape shots. And then you hear that stuff and then the the shrieking that comes in. That's supposed to be like all the dead natives that were killed when the hotel was built. Like, uh, it's so cool.
1: <laughs> uh it's oh, awesome. Just yeah. real quick, Josh does say that he thinks it stands on his own. Uh, but he can tell you get why fans of the books were disappointed, like we mentioned. Uh and Noah says from what he read of the book, he did like that Jack was more fleshed out. Uh, but at the same time, Nicholson is fantastic in the movie. And absolutely Nicholson is my best thing about this movie. Um, oh yeah.
2: I mean he's 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 great
1: he he has a way of just like w- twisting his feet his like expression even before he goes crazy to just look like a crazy person mm-hmm. um and then Josh also says it is deeply uncomfortable. The only thing that makes me feel the same is the Silent hill games, yeah, which I've never played
0: I, yeah, would, say, I would say Silent hill has a I have a little bit of experience in it there's definitely a similar thing of kind of being trapped in an environment. That very much does not follow the rules of reality at all. Um, if if any of you knew of uh, a PT playable teaser that was released around, I think, 2013, I played anyone a lot of it. But Anybody neither
1: of these, that? well, yeah, I know like Austin a has a PlayStation.
0: Station. But... but the idea of it was essentially a, a scenario where this L would be basically be a hallway, two hallways would just interconnect and keep looping on each other. And the idea was that the environment itself would slightly change every so often, and things wouldn't quite make sense within how things were constructed, so much so that you would get this unsettling feel of cabin fever. Oh, and then, and then, as like small things would happen, you would just get startled by it because naturally, it's something that you're not used to, and things are unsettling. It was like a, it's like a masterclass in like minimalistic horror.
2: Oh, that's cool. And, and yeah, some, and some of the imagine. principles
0: are here in The Shining as well. Um, some some people say with the sound that it adds to it. In some ways, and although I agree, I think the silence as well. Just these lingering shots, sometimes with char- character, uh, like the bar scene, for instance.
2: I agree. And there's many, like, subtle things in this movie that, uh, like, if you watch a lot of times, like, like I have. I watch this movie around October every year, and sometimes even before, like, before that, um, but one of the things I noticed over the years that unsettled me the most is there's a scene where um, Wendy and Danny are watching the TV in one of the rooms, and the TV isn't plugged in, like, little details like that, there's no cords leading anywhere, it's just a TV sort of, like, existing in the space, like, showing them, the. I think it's, like, the weather or something about how bad and cold outside it is, but, like, it's like a shot of the, of like zooming out from the TV and you see like the rest of the room and just that those little details, um, make you feel like you're in an unnatural environment. It's, it's very cool.
3: Yeah. Well, and then you get stuff like Jack's, um, typewriter changes like halfway through the movie. Mm -hmm. There's two different props for it. Mm
2: -hmm. That's another little detail that a lot of people, a lot of people miss for sure yeah guilty yeah. on that i did
1: I didn't notice this, but that's interesting.
0: I didn't see it on you know, the first viewing, but I noticed it later it's uh you will see a lot of details just on like a second viewing, and then you'll just as it would happen with most movies where you notice certain things but the details are very important. It's like a lot of stuff in the background that you notice that really unsettles you once you focus in on it it's something mm-hmm. that you didn't notice the last time um Especially if you're going into, like, the, the last scenes, especially. It's it, um, been trivial. Oh, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and have you guys seen the documentary about The Shining, uh, Room 236? Yeah, I tried to watch that, and I was like,
2: this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's I I don't know.
3: At my YouTube feed right <laughs> now. Like, like, bad documentary. They alone. do have, some, like, a few things in it, but...
2: <laughs> like, the movie does... It, it is very, like it does have themes and things to say about our society, I think, but I think those people are just way too out there and reading into every, like they're like, Danny has a NASA shirt on this. So that means like Kubrick's trying to say that moon landing was faked by him or something. Yeah, And I'm just like, this is absurd. <laughs>
3: uh, well, the only reason I brought it up was uh, there's just like a part that I really like in that documentary about small details where, um, Ah, I can't think. Of, the guy who runs the hotel. He like gets up and he walks by his desk, and his name tag is like lined up with his crotch. And they're like, when you get to this moment, it looks like he has a massive heart on. Oh my
2: god! <laughs> you talking about uh, the manager, the guy that ha- that sits in the office with the American yeah. flag on his desk? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I just couldn't think of what his name was, but yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head either. Yeah, yeah
0: I look at the cast. But, um, Barry Nelson, I think it was Stuart Ullman. Yes, that's yes, it. Stuart, Stuart that's it.
1: yeah. The more though that I'm thinking about the, the novel as well as the movie, is I'm wondering if it's just I'm forgetting about the Indian burial ground that you mentioned. Uh, because I do know the one thing that the book does is Jack becomes obsessed with like the history of the overlook, and his mm-hmm. book is supposed to be he's supposed to be like writing a book about the overlook and its history, and like there's a chapter or two that is just. Everyone who's owned the the Overlook has had a just miserable life. Oh, and I'm, I think it's supposed to be, and then they like because the ghosts are trapped there, and I wonder if it is an Indian burial ground, like cursing them, but I can't remember.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think the interesting thing, if that's from the book, one of the things Kubrick does with this movie, I I think is. he's trying to comment on like how because he does this in some of his other films like i don't know you guys ever seen full metal jacket before yes so full metal Metal jacket is also a movie about how like um men in american society like there's a dark side to it like obviously like i'm a man that exists in american society i think there's a lot of positive things about being a man in american society but there is also a dark side to it and like Full Metal Jacket is very much about that, and this movie I think is too. Like Jack Torrance is is kind of like the the, the dark archetype of of what an American father is. He's a drunk. He resents his wife. Um, he doesn't really care about his family. He views them as an obstacle in bettering himself. Um, and you know he has all of those sort of sort of feelings and everything going into the hotel, and like it was a place that was that was built on the extermination of the, of the native Americans. And when Jack is incorporated in the, into the hotel, he's lured by like this extravagant party of the roaring twenties. And he's in the, the portrait that he's in at the end of the movie is in 1929 at the very end of that era where everyone was just partying all the time and being rich and not caring about the future and all those sorts of things. So like it's, it's very much a, a movie about like the social dynamics between and what it means to be a man in our society i think it like he he, wendy torrance he he thinks he thinks that this like opportunity to manage the hotel is one going to make him a responsible manager it's going to allow him to to finish his work and be a great writer but wendy does all the work and he like berates her and like doesn't appreciate her at all um he's completely irresponsible even the writing that he does is completely unpublishable um so he's he's kind of like mothered by this woman, but like resents her for that because she's not the attractive woman that he would like her to be. It's this very interesting character dynamics between all the characters in the film, that I I think that's very intentional, um, and I like that about it a lot. Uh, I, I I don't I don't think it's it's necessarily the same thing as the book, like what you had mentioned, John, where he's kind of like a good person, and then the the horror is like oh good dad becomes evil dad by the end. I personally like the idea of like this hotel attracts people that are susceptible to be to go mad and the scary thing about it is how little it takes to push people like this to become this crazy you know yeah that's slightly. the scary thing like people like Jack Torrance exist I know them
0: mm-hmm. I've
2: known them you know not to, to the degree that he goes off at the end, but like men who are drunks resent their wife, are completely irresponsible, don't care about their families—they're very common. I know a lot of them. <laughs> you know,
0: yeah. We we, we now know that uh, Dan has met a lot of axe murderers in his life. I mean,
2: I mean, I mean, I'm I'm Irish. You know, like I know a lot of people like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and Dan, I I think that's actually an interesting way of putting it because I've not really done a re- lot of research on the themes and everything in this movie because. Honestly, up until the last few years, they just really haven't cared about this movie. No, that's Uh, totally fair. But I think that is an interesting take. And what's interesting, uh, as well, since we're talking about themes and everything about the book, is in the book, Jack Torrance is very much a metaphor for Stephen King. uh, And it's more about his addiction and trying to overcome that. And In the book, him and Danny have a very good relationship uh Wendy in one of the chapters talks about how she's kind of jealous that Jack, uh, Danny tends to prefer Jack whereas in this movie I kind of get the feeling that Danny is more is more close to Wendy than he is Jack Absolutely I agree <laughs> with that yes Um and but you still have this stuff like he broke his arm by accident and things like that um but yeah he's he's very much a good person and the hotel possesses him because they're after Danny because of his shining. Uh, yeah.
2: See, I guess that makes more sense. I guess when we talk about the Doctor Sleep stuff, that was one of the things that I disliked the most about that movie is that they they make it about trying to go after the kid that shines rather than trying to incorporate Jack into the ho- into the hotel. Like, it incorporates souls into it and traps them there in some sort of pleasure fantasy for all time. Um, yeah. that idea is more interesting to me than what the doctor Sleep says it ends up being, but I haven't read the book. So I'm not as interested in that explanation. I guess I, I, I really like the idea of this place attracts people who are susceptible to being wanting to live in a pleasure fantasy rather than conf- realities of life and having to like be responsible and be a you know, be a good father. I mean, like the, that's why I like the guy that was before jack i mean he was basically the same kind of dude like he was he was the you know the guy that was be able to be pushed to kill his family too um mm-hmm. and his you know he took in the in the in the bathroom scene which i think is the best scene in this movie um where he's grady is talking to him and he's like my girls uh they didn't care about the overlook. they didn't like the overlook at first um I don't know. I I find that that more compelling and uh, I guess. But but again, I haven't read the book, so maybe I'd feel differently about it if I read it. The thing about
3: Doctor Sleep is that that movie I think is only greenlit because they came to Stephen King and they were like, "Look, we'll take the one adaptation that you hate the most and we'll fix it."
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um that was the other thing I know, I was thinking during this watch because obviously I like that movie quite a bit. But I wonder how much of that third act was just to get
0: Stephen King on board. Well, before we get too much Absolutely. into that one, uh, yeah, something uh, I noticed certainly in the in the themes and going back to Full Metal Jacket real briefly because you touched upon that. A uh, film I love, by the way, it's, it's a great it's one. Great. It's great. Um, it definitely is some a connection I would see between that one and certainly The Shining is that, and this it, with the social commentary certainly. I feel like that there's a component of. Um, the older generation's expectations of the younger generation and mm, how society like, feels that men should be, or the certain goals that they need to achieve I in order agree with to that. be men. Um, and certainly, like, you'll, you'll see them private pile, for instance, and how it can be both destructive and self-destructive as well. Um, certainly with like, how the younger generation goes with the older generation and kind of like you know, reacts to that. In this one, is internal because Jack is... Essentially, he's being held responsible for Danny's accident. You know, for him breaking it, uh, for him getting injured. Jack, whether or not he both finds himself responsible, he doesn't want to admit it about himself. Because he feels, well, this, this isn't me. It, it was an accident, right? I, I feel like there's a subtext of drunkenness, but it's not fully fleshed out in the movie because I don't think that's what... Kubrick wanted to examine it exactly, yeah. But, uh, yeah, his alcoholism
1: really isn't the the topic of the movie, which is obviously where then it becomes a different story, really, that you're telling because yeah. it's not about you know alcoholism and addiction.
0: Yeah, but uh, Jack DeMortis, the Shining, certainly finds himself threatened because he feels like he could never become the man that he feels that he is supposed to be. Because I of agree the, with you. Uh,
2: Present. And that and that's one of the things that appeals to him about the pleasure fantasy of living in this roaring twenties eternal party, right? Because like he's talk he talks to Wendy in this movie about how degrading it would be to shovel out driveways to make a living and do mm-hmm. like dirty middle class kind of jobs to be able to get by. He wants to be an upper class socialite. That is his fantasy. He wants to be living in the gold ballroom room with a, with an attractive woman on his arm that is not mousy and, 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 um, it very easily intimidated like Wendy. Um, he, he views his family as the thing that kind of holds him back from being that kind of person. And, um, that is an expectation that is placed on us as men by society. I think like a lot of, a lot of people desire to want to be upper class. I mean, that's the American dream, to want to have class mobility and 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 be successful and go to the extravagant parties and and be married to an attractive woman, all those kinds of things as a man. And Jack doesn't have any of those things. So getting rid of his family, he can live that fantasy eternally in, in the afterlife for all time. And that's yeah. what he gets when he's incorporated in the hotel, when he's in that portrait at the end.
0: And I think the judgment on his character is fair because he has the mansion now, essentially. He does. If he wanted to grow into a full person, all he would have to do is just acknowledge, if I want these things, I need to take responsibility because as much as I don't want to shovel out driveways, that job is there present for this hotel. All the cleaning is there for this hotel. And he decides to do none of it. He just wants to brood and stew. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
1: I gotta say, Dan, you're like raising this movie in my in my mind, like uh,
3: because this, Wait, yeah. What, what do you want? This like oh, good man becomes bad, ooh, or like deep themes about American culture?
0: I mean, but you I think you, it's you could do, do that way personally.
1: You joke, but you could do the good man goes bad because you would just keep the themes of alcoholism and struggle with substance abuse, and. That's a perfect. I think that would be a good movie. We're never going to get that now, but
0: <laughs> well, we got some of it. In well, there,
1: we're never going to get the Shining version. I I wasn't mentioning Doctor Sleep. Watch your
0: mini series.
1: <laughs> I would like to see that just out of curiosity, just to see like how
0: bad it is. Um, I've heard it's, but, but I've I, heard it's I, I, like a soap opera. I've heard.
1: But...
2: Your yeah. point is well taken, though, John. I mean, like you know, it's the kind of thing where. I I I can understand where you're coming from in that like a lot of people like for example Thor Ragnarok as a comedy a lot oh. of people think it works in a way I'm a Thor fan I've read the books I hate it because it's not like the 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 books that I've Exactly read.
3: yeah I understand it's the thing that every doing. adaptation has to face right
2: Yeah
3: absolutely Yeah and and I'm, I'm definitely
1: coming around to this movie uh at the very least just for like Jack Nicholson's performance like he's uh this movie and both Dr. Sleep just mentioned that briefly have... Or my favorite scene is kind of in both the bar scene um for different reasons. And this movie oh, is yeah. just like Jack Nicholson is really chilling in that, that whole scene, talking about like about his kid and how he loves him, but he's also kind of mean to him in the same sentence. Yeah, you know, he's there's like, love you
2: know, and resentment in that relationship. It's really interesting.
0: Maybe we should just get into Jack Nicholson. I think that's probably a lunch but because Especially, we know that the criticism around this movie, when it was first released, it was, a lot of critics hated this movie. And they even said that the major reason why it sucked was apparently, ironically, Jack Nicholson. Really? Because they already viewed him, because it's like, there's no suspense. You already think he's going to be a villain. And they completely missed the point, I think. Um, well, yeah, yeah
1: but I, I mean, how many movies on here have we talked about where it's just it was critically
0: batched
2: and now it's a classic? Like,
1: we have
0: John Carpenter Month for a reason, so
2: <laughs> that's very true. And, and I, to your point, I've, I, it was an interview, I think, with Spielberg where uh, he was talking about when because him and Kubrick were friends, he showed Kubrick showed this movie to Spielberg, and uh, Spielberg was like, You know, I think Jack Nicholson went a little too far in a few places, and Kubrick was like, Oh, really? Well, I don't care what you have to say. I think he's great.
3: <laughs> that's great.
0: Uh, let's let's keep working <laughs> on AI. I don't care what you think.
3: <laughs> Modern day Spielberg was kicking in a bit there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> I could not take it
3: anymore. That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's great. So
1: uh, Austin and Milton, what are you, what are your favorite scenes since Dan and I have set ours? Any any favorites stand out to you?
3: Mine has been the same since I was a kid, which is that this is the only movie where you get to see Winnie the Pooh giving an old man a blowjob.
0: My dad showed
3: me this movie when I was like seven, and I thought that was the funniest thing as a
0: kid. (laughs) Josh agrees with you, by the way, in the comments. That that one guy in China who people say always looks like Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something like that. I can't I I can't remember his name. Sherman has something.
2: Oh, um President Xi.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. President Xi gives a blowjob to uh <laughs> what, what's Xi Jinping? it? Yeah.
1: So what about you, Milton? Uh, what uh,
0: what scenes stand out to you? Oh my gosh. Um there's because the photography is so fantastic in this movie, it just Sometimes it's really just the scenes of dialogue where the shots just linger in, like, shot reverse shot, especially within the dialogue. And but even then, just the actions I'll just say the bar scene, I'll just make it simple and just say the bar scene. I could. that was a others.
1: really long explanation to get to the yeah. bar scene.
0: There are a lot of great scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. it's a fantastic movie. That was a big build up to just I
3: agree with you guys. <laughs>
2: Uh, the bar scene is great though because it's it's sort of a microcosm of how well directed this movie is and how much it gets done with visual storytelling like i one of the things i love about that scene that i've noticed on multiple viewings is like um lloyd the the bartender guy is wearing a red jacketed suit that lapels look like devil horns and like you if you if you're looking at the visual storytelling you can tell that jack torrance is selling his soul to the devil when he accepts the alcohol from him right. but they don't come out and say hello jack i'm the devil would you like to sell your soul to me it's very subtle and i like that about it a lot kubrick it like gives his audience credit he doesn't beat thing th- them over the head with it and i think that makes it more horrifying um because it, you, you you know it, it's if uh, if you were to encounter a, a spirit as dark and sinister and intelligent as the devil, he wouldn't come out and tell you who he is. He would he would tempt you with the things that you that that you're susceptible to and 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 it, w- it would be subtler than hey I'm like I, I look like uh Dave Grohl from uh Tenacious D. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not what it would be. And, yeah. and I like that about it a lot.
0: Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. it's like it's like the feeling of it looks fair but feels foul. Exactly. Yeah. But it's easier to see that from the outside looking in rather than trying to examine yourself of your vice exactly. because it, it feels comfortable. I could also say the bathroom scene is a great one, too. Yeah. That's Jack Ooh, Jack mean it is. is Fronted essentially by the master of sorts who essentially gives him its command.
3: Well, and when I first saw this when I was seven, I thought everything and it was hilarious except for the bathroom scene. That was the one scene where I was like, "Holy shit, this is scary!" <laughs> I corrected them, sir. <laughs> that guy, yeah, that guy is really creepy. And yeah, when he like Jack looks in the mirror and she, oh wait, no, I'm th- uh, You guys are talking about the bathroom scene with the bartender?
2: Oh, I'm talking about
0: the bathtub scene. Oh, with, there. oh yes, oh, oh, that scene scary yeah yeah there's
2: actually three bathroom seasons because there's the one with the axe and the door there's one with the lady and then there's the the one with the the, the waiter the bartend, guy. Yeah.
1: yeah yeah and just shout out to the 4k uh remaster of this film mm-hmm. uh which is the version that i watched with the added like hdr to enhance colors and everything that whole bathroom set like the red is really vibrant and really striking against oh, the whites yeah. and it's just oh this is a
0: gorgeous looking movie it is and I think it's done on purpose completely. Um, mm-hmm.
2: if you yeah. watch a lot of Kubrick's other movies, like he uses um very vibrant um colors to sort of evoke um I don't know if emotion is the right word, but Clockwork Orange does this a lot, like the way that Alex's house is designed. There's a lot of very bright pastel colors in the in the paint in the wallpapers and stuff like that. Um and even in the office scene in this movie, like it's a, it's an orangey color in the, like I think that sort of stuff lends to the hotel again, not feeling like a real place because I've never been in a real place where the, the walls are bright red in the bathroom, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much Cooper just takes out of like Jodorowsky's book from like uh, the Holy Mountain, kind of with like that sort of color vibrancy. Anyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, I don't know what that is, but... I what don't is either. It? That, that's a movie we could watch. I'm not quite sure if it's horror. It's more surreal. Oh, interesting. Um, but um, I forget. The the Holy Mountain was, I think, um, was a movie in the 70s, I think, where it's definitely a lot more surreal, kind of like David Lynch-esque. But, like, there, there's one scene with, like, color... He's literally... This character's literally going down like a tunnel of colors. It's but it's it's meant to unsettle use us as if he's approaching something. Anyway, that's wow. a whole tangent. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's um, anyway, like,
3: that just really just which
0: is the best? Then, scene um, in the movie.
3: with the bathroom being red, I wonder if that's also supposed to go with the devil thing. Yeah, like now he's in hell because we do the drink thing and then jump straight to the bathroom where yep. which is all red. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because yeah, yeah, Dan's given just like a completely different read on this movie, like I mentioned before, and it's. I can see why this is one of your favorites. The the things that you're mentioning, you know, about what Kubrick was tackling is really interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. and I think I might have picked up on more of that if I hadn't read the book first.
2: Yeah, it's, I, uh, again, like, uh, as, as someone that hasn't read the book, like that stuff was always very interesting to me. Um, just because like, I love American history so much. So like, the like the things that he was talking about like i knew what he was referencing like there, there, it, it's so strange for someone in like normal conversation to just like bring up white man's burden and like in, in a place that was like built on an <laughs> indian burial ground and them you know the, the party being set in 1929 um and jack torrance like uh wanting to live in that pleasure fantasy um Again, I think it's a movie that, like, you can enjoy it not on that level if you don't know any of those things as just like a regular horror movie. But there's definitely layers to it. And that's what I like about it. It's kind of like an onion. You peel back and there's there's just so many things to that 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 are going on that you can, that on repeat viewings, you notice more and more and more things.
3: And Absolutely. The whole time. So we,
1: we've we talked to death about Jack Nicholson, and for good reason. Uh, but how do you guys feel about some of the other characters and actress, actors and actresses in this movie? Uh, like Shelley Duvall, and I don't know the kid's name that
0: played Danny. Uh, uh, and, uh, Danny Lloyd is Danny Torrance. Uh,
1: oh, any any weak links in the cast?
0: Danny Lloyd is Danny Torrance. And
1: any weak links in the cast, or and... any 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 actors you think could have done
0: better, or does everybody good? All what of do you that guys conversation like? goes back to Shelley Duvall because she got, I think she got a Razzie actually. Tell I her. think so.
3: She was at least nominated. Yeah. I well, people so trashed, bad for on, trashed on Shelley Duval. I think even to this day, I think people on still set
2: do. and afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: She She's time. been ripping her hair out ever since.
0: <laughs> it, it it sucks because I I don't get it. I don't get why people hate her. I think she works really well in this movie.
2: I do too. I think she plays the perfect. Yeah mousy easily intimidated woman that would be like with a man like Jack Torrance in this movie like no other woman would put up with the way that he treats her and and the attitudes he has about their family um you he, you have to be with a kind of um mousy woman like that but at the end of the movie she you know she comes into her own and has sort of a arc where she is able to be strong and save her family and get away and that's kind of like the the, the triumphant m- parts of the movie and like seeing her finally come out under uh, 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 you know out of uh his shadow and from under his thumb is is great. Um I like that stuff a lot.
3: Well, that's probably probably why we uh changed the dick stuff I would think where he's uh he's not the one who like gets her out at the end. Yes.
2: Hmm. And, and speaking of performances I really like the guy who plays Dick Halloran. he's one of the standouts he's, for me as well he's, he's great. so good
1: he's for me sketch. he's right in terms of ranking performances I think he's right under Nicholson um because yeah. obviously like Nicholson is undisputed like the best thing uh, but the guy that plays Halloran is so good especially just in the freezer scene where he's just talking to uh Danny and Wendy and he's still like charismatic and energetic it's great
0: yeah, yeah, no, he's yeah wonderful he, the actor who plays him is a uh, Benjamin Sherman Crothers. Um, Scatman, who died in uh, 1986, six years after this uh, movie was done, he was professionally known as Scatman Crothers. What an unfortunate (laughs) name! That's That's what he was professionally known as.
3: Yeah, second you said that other name, I was like, "What Scatman (laughs) Crothers?" What are you talking about, (laughs) Benjamin? (laughs) It's not a name. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> wait
1: a minute, I thought. Yeah,
3: because I knew like I knew like
1: he went by Scatman,
0: which is he, he was an old showman guy. <laughs> um, cool. This guy was born in 1910. He, he's wow. seen stuff. Well, yeah. and I think some of that comes through in his
1: performance, especially at the beginning where he's just trying to like yeah. keep keep Danny amused, and
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, he, he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't get his. Uh, his personal taste in a decoration with his room, though sometimes I was just about to mention
3: that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> giant like new a nude woman, black woman. woman. It's yeah. like
0: it's like at the point of his life, like he doesn't care at all. It's like you, he, he puts you in his home. It's like you're you're gonna deal with these photos that I have. You <laughs> like me anyway, because I get to do what I want now.
2: <laughs> one of the most chilling. So to to the credit of that guy's performance, I think one of the most chilling. um moments of the movie is where they have the the um score playing um with the heartbeat and there's that like shrieking noise in the background um and it just is zooming in on his face where he's like in his bed like looking up and it like flashes between that and like danny having like his seizure thing where he's like foaming at the mouth like Mm -hmm. just him looking at the ceiling is one of the most chilling things in this entire movie because he's sort of sensing what's happening you know that was that's one of my favorite move, uh, moments in the film too. It's it's crazy. Oh, yeah. So I
1: watched this with my mom because uh, she <laughs> she likes this
2: movie a lot. Oh, that's um, awesome.
1: Okay, and we got to that scene, and she's like, "I like this movie, but the sound that they're making is really getting my nerves." And all the <laughs> tension was just gone because I couldn't stop laughing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just just man with uh, with those noises <laughs> apparently was a professional guitar player for a while.
1: Oh, wow, uh, it's also I, I think they do a good job of making Danny seem kind of disturbing too, especially at the beginning where you don't know that he has this friend yet. Um, which I feel like kind of gets, gets uh, yeah yeah uh, dropped a little. Like <laughs> he comes rim. back for the red rum scene, but it doesn't it it kind of doesn't lend itself to the overall story as much. Unless I just wasn't get catching that like the elevator blood visions. We're supposed to be, like, Tony communicating with him?
0: I think so. Or he, he's channeling something. Like, he needs, like, I guess some sort of medium, I suppose, to channel what's going on. He needs some way to, like, disassociate himself from what he finds to be a very disturbing thing, I suppose. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I, maybe.
2: I always, I mean, it's it's sort of hard to tell, because that scene, that what you're talking about, the elevator blood scene... Specifically, I always interpret it as, like, the people that, you know, the blood of the people that have died in the hotel, the people that died in order to build the hotel, you know, that sort of thing. Like, it's a, it's sort of a place that is that was born in violence, continues to facilitate it, and has some sort of supernatural connection to it. And he senses okay. that. Um, but, again, like, it's ambiguous. but I But I like that about it. Yeah, that's um, fair. The ambiguity yeah. of this movie, I it, for me, lends to the horror of it, and I think that's one of the reasons why, by the end of Doctor Sleep, I don't like it as much as I would like to, um, because it removes some of that ambiguity.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it doesn't feel yeah. like you're having to do the work for them. Like it's, it it uh, definitely um, helps it. I think. Yeah, I makes agree. it. Seem I a bit uh, fair, yeah yeah. See, I always figured it was
1: just because. We shifted most of the focus to Jack in this film, obviously, whereas in the book it's... it's. I guess you could almost make a case for a dual, dual protagonist, because a lot of it is told from Danny's point of view, but then you
0: get, like, Jack points of view and Wendy points of view. I'd say uh, Danny is deuteragonist, I would say. that's That's where I would put him. Like, not quite protagonist, but not so much that he's, like, one of the extras. Right, no, yeah. he's not
3: an extra, obviously, yeah. but... I'm also yeah, glad we cut the Tony thing from the book because that's silly
2: What's the Tony <laughs> cut, cut from cut the book? Cut the Tony uh, thing from the book Tony, that makes no
3: sense. Tony in the book is an elderly like an older Danny Torrance that speaks to him as a child and oh. so Tony always uh. appears to him as a person far away and as the book goes on he slowly gets closer and closer and then when he's like fully like up to him he's like oh it's me as an adult <laughs> oh.
0: I don't, I'm glad they I don't remember that. that part. Sometimes King things. just gets goofy, as I've noticed. Sometimes in some of his writing, he, he has famously stated he just writes things as he goes along, and he just writes really quickly.
3: Yeah, like, I he's like genius, like but he's writing, also puts unorganized... weird stuff in there.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, see,
0: I I really need to reread the book. It's been a while. Um, we haven't even talked about Danny and, and the theming around him and Tony, I would say. and so say it goes right into, like, the expectations that, like, the older generation has for the younger generation. Because, like, Danny's, like, completely out of it. He yeah. doesn't even care how he's portraying himself to other people. He's just, he's inwardly focused, and he's very uh, introspective.
2: He's traumatized. Yeah. hmm Yeah. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh, just in the interest, because we talked about this one for an hour and we still had Dr. sleep to go. Uh, any anyone have any final thoughts before we move on to our rating for this
3: film? So um, this movie led to one of the best Simpsons Trials of Horror segments. I was so waiting I have for to it. Mention that. Yep. I was
1: waiting for it. <laughs> That's all have, I got. Have you seen that uh, that segment,
2: Dan?
3: I haven't. No. Uh, it's, oh, you, it's, oh uh... you definitely have to. The Shinin, it's it's the best. <laughs>
2: I'll have to watch it. Yeah. It's great. great there, after this, there uh... are
3: certain things from this movie that um, I only think of, like the the Simpsons jokes for it. Or, like every time, I, like the <laughs> the blood elevator, I can't see without hearing Mr. Burns go. That's weird. Normally, the blood gets off on the second floor. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, con- i guess comments here uh josh has declared what his favorite scene is the scene with a bear just like austin
3: uh, yeah, i was like you know,
0: austin said that right when i typed that haha <laughs> <laughs> the bear part is hilarious as noah and justice whoever mastered that deserves a trophy <laughs>
2: See, I can't wait for the Overlook Hotel show that J.J. Abrams is making to do an entire episode about where the bear comes from. And like... oh, I forgot they're making a show <laughs> I about, the about Overlook that.
3: Hotel. Yeah. So I wonder if that's still happening because
1: they're they seem to be moving all in on DC stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I well, mean, if,
0: I, if I would assume it's like bad robot. You know. yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. Bad robot. So but you know what? Stuff.
1: I will say, if it's anything like Castle Rock, I'm excited because Castle Rock was pretty good.
2: I liked Castle Rock. I watched I didn't watch the first season, but I watched the second one because I had the misery <laughs> girl in it and that season was pretty good.
1: Well, it's funny. The worst thing about season 1 is uh one of the girls in the show played by Jane Levy is Jack's niece. Uh Jack Torrance's niece? Yes. Oh. And she calls herself Jackie Torrance to piss off her parents because they wanted to distance themselves from Jack and the business <laughs> Jill, at the Overlook. Funny. And it's like, oh God, why did you, why did you make that choice? Like, <laughs> but everything yeah, else in that first season. Some
2: nostalgia baby stuff in that second season too, but I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was pretty good. I agree. I haven't um,
1: seen it. Am I getting into it? Yeah, I liked the first season quite a bit, and I just haven't had the motivation to watch two because it looks like that show's over. Like whatever they may have been building towards, is, yeah, is done. Uh, sadly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a four out of five. I'm gonna be honest. Before we got started talking about it, it was probably gonna be a three point five out of five. Uh, but I'm gonna give it a four out of five. It's a wonderful film. The Kubrick's attention to detail is, you know, second to none. Great performances from everyone. Uh, mileage may vary on some of the you know side characters because, like we talked about, Shelley Duvall seems to be hit or miss, uh, just depending on what you're expecting. I think. Um, But yeah, I would give it a four out of five, and I'd watch it again. Uh, What about you, Dan? Out of five, what would you give this?
2: i give this movie a five out of five, because it's one of my favorites. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think this is, um, of all the horror movies I've seen, I mean, I think this is... um, the best one I've ever seen. And I, I rewatch it every year, at least once. Um, It was a pleasure going back to you guys gave me a great excuse to watch this again. (laughs) Um, So it was great going back to it. And um, yeah, it's a near perfect film for me.
1: Noah gives it a 4.5 out of five. And of course he'd recommend and watch it again. Uh, We, we couldn't decide because obviously we want to have some kind of rating or like recommendation thing. So we just went with like out of five and, you know, we'll watch it again or whatever. Austin, what about you?
3: Uh, I'm jumping back and forth between a five and a 4.5. Fuck it, I'll give it a five too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I'll be the contrarian and put down 4.9 repeatant as uh, my rating out of five.
1: Get out of here. Guy. Dan, if Get you want to replace here. this guy, you're more than
0: welcome to. Okay. <laughs> uh, but actually, no seriousness, you know what? Five out of five, actually. This is a film I go back to a lot. Quite like uh the thing. Two films I really, really enjoy. I think the thing is like maybe slightly better for me. Yeah, I would put but the it's thing. With my, that, yeah. It's like choosing two great uh, things. How do you compare apples to oranges? It's like True. trying to
3: decide which of your two children you won't let drown. It's like I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll take it. Okay. Uh, all right. So
1: obviously, moving on to the second film of the night, we'll try to condense this a little bit because I know it's it's getting late for uh, people. Uh, obviously, we're discussing the sequel, Doctor Sleep. Uh, I feel like this movie is made for those who are pissed off that The Shining wasn't The Shining. Uh, you know, wasn't the book, and it's uh, it's like here. Here's The Shining. Like here's for for you Stephen King novel readers who have always been disappointed. You never got a proper, well done adaptation because I know you're gonna bring up that fucking miniseries again.
3: Let's <laughs> <laughs> go watch that, you fuck. <laughs> uh, so Austin, tell us about uh Doctor Sleep. Okay, so Doctor Sleep is about. Psychic Vampires (laughs) Psychic Um,
2: Vampires, ladies and gentlemen (laughs) Psychic Vampires
0: (laughs) Vape
3: Ghosts It's about about a doctor that puts people to sleep but then that's only like five minutes of the movie Um, and it's about a little girl and Danny Torrance and that's what Doctor Sleep is about
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The interesting thing
3: about Doctor Sleep
1: as just a concept uh, Stephen King talked about, he had originally, you know, no intentions of doing a sequel, but at one of those, like, expos that he goes to or whatever, like, where he meets fans, somebody asked him, whatever happened to Danny Torrance? And he was like, you know, maybe I'll write a book about that, and he threw up, I think, a poll on one of his social media yeah, sites. Yeah, he wrote
3: this book based on a Twitter poll in which he was like, what would you guys rather see, a Shining sequel or a new um, Dark Tower book? Really? I didn't know that. So we got and I we got think Dr. He eventually Sleep. wrote both of them because he writes like a book every minute, but uh that was the one he did right then. <laughs>
0: he's the most published author because he's the person who spits out the most books out of more than anyone His else in existence.
3: Publication history is insane. Like Um yeah. But with the book, I've always read mixed things. Like I've always heard people say it's not very good. But, it's got um...
1: hint and miss things. Um I would I s I would say that for with the movie and the book, the movie is a perfect adaptation of that book until you get to the third act. Because then it... Because obviously, The Shining book and The Shining movie ended completely different ways. Um, so Spoilers for Doctor Sleep and The Shining novel here, uh, just for a fair warning. I meant to say that as well during The Shining. But, uh, Dan, in case you didn't know, Doctor Sleep's ending where the hotel blows up, that is the ending of the original novel. Okay, and so...
2: I did know, I think I heard in an interview Stephen King say one of the reasons why he hated the Kubrick movie was because he thought that Stanley Kubrick was trying to hurt people with his movie. And he was like, <laughs> the perfect encapsulation of that is in my version of The Shining, the hotel burns down and in Kubrick's book, it freezes over. It's very cold and distant. Like in my book is about heart and warmness and all that kind of stuff.
3: And if what, whatever, any Steve person King. you should listen to about movies, it's Stephen King.
0: But
1: uh, so the, the third act of the book, take it, uh, it still goes back to the overlook, but now it's uh, like a campground because the hotel is no longer there. Oh, uh, and stuff like yeah, that. Isn't that
3: where the psychic vampires live or something like that? They live on the something like that. I think it's the where the hotel used to be.
1: Something like that because I know that's where the final showdown is. Uh, they changed other things like um they wipe out a lot of them because one of them gets sick with the measles or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's in the the movie.
1: I'm talking about the book. Uh because and because they're so old they never really got sick before, but they're getting weaker because there's not a lot of enough steam, which is in the movie to some extent. And That wipes out a, like a good a lot of them, and then it's really down to like Rosie. Is it Rosie the hat, Rose, uh, whatever, the hat, hat. yeah, yeah, Rosie and does. Dan? Uh, the other major difference, and this is where I will give the movie points. Um, he, Abra, in the book, uh, turns out to be Dan's half sister. Uh, at some wow. point, Jack had an affair. <laughs> <What>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King, the answers are not at the bottom of that coke pile. Stop. <laughs> I, I can't remember the exact relation, but somehow, yeah, Dan uh,
1: Dan and Abra are related, like, by blood. Oh, my God. So they kind
2: of, there's a line in this, well, the, she calls him, like, Uncle Dan and all that stuff in this, and then she's like, we're kind of related, so maybe that's what they were referencing.
3: That might be. That um, could be, uh. Because we should say this is uh, Matt Flanagan who also did Gerald's Game, which is Matt like Flanagan few... too, we, and like, it's one of the few like, movies of a book where the movie is way better than the book. <laughs> oh, interesting! I've only seen
2: the movie again, and I
3: love Gerald's
2: Game. That was a great movie.
3: Yeah, it's great. the um, Biggest thing it has is that it's telling that story in like an hour and a half, and not six hundred pages, where the book will just ramble off on stuff. Oh, like no. there is just an entire chapter where he just like rambles about like men and how they hate women, <laughs> it's oh. like, why is this in this book <laughs> just, just
1: a slight correction for people listening. it's Mike Flanagan, not Matt
3: Flanagan, oh, I always can I always forget if it's Mike or Matt, yeah, Mike Flanagan um, um. yeah, there's like a repeated thing in the book where uh, Stephen King constantly says that men think of women as it's something like. Uh, like, and it's like cunts with legs or something like that, where it's like that's all women are, and it's wow. so weird. Interesting. So, the, like, you know, that
2: must have been Stephen King after he watched Eyes Wide Shut for the first time.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Mike Flanagan cuts all the fat, and he's like, okay, we don't need any of this nonsense. Yeah, because
1: the book is like 300 pages. And for a premise that simple, that should be just like a short story.
3: I think it's longer than that. I think it's no, over I just four. I just looked at it. Oh, maybe it's just my printing then. Um,
0: yeah, maybe. The, the Canadian version of the novel is different.
3: <laughs> I get the King cut, it's a full 150 pages longer.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing with Stephen King in general. Like, I consider King to be my favorite author, but in some books, he's wordier than the premise calls for um
2: i've heard that about the it novels which i've also never read oh but God. those are like
1: their um, their entire like sections of that book it took me three times to get through that book because there's entire sections which is just history of dairy and it all and eric mentions this in the one of the videos they did on geekvolution <laughs> it boils down to dairy bad <laughs>
2: But <laughs> Terry is bad.
3: Well, the last king book I read was Cujo, and the majority of that book is just like a climax of a story. And it's just cut oh. up between like the main character's husband like doing like an advertising deal and like worrying about that. And every time you cut back to that, I was like, Oh god, just go back to the stuff I came to read. <laughs>
1: Don't anyway, as even if this is yeah, slightly, you know, on topic, to but um, obviously this uh, is a years later sequel to The Shining by Stanley Kubrick, but it is also a sequel to the novel because it's adapting the novel as well. And that is a hell of a balancing act, like trying to both be like an adaption of that book, which is a sequel to the original King novel, but also adapt a sequel to the Kubrick movie, which are two very different things.
3: Yeah, well yeah, um, you gotta make uh Warner Brothers happy who just want the like nostalgia of the shining, <laughs> and you gotta make K uh Stephen King happy who hates the shining. <laughs> you still gotta walk that line. Yeah. yeah.
1: So yes. I guess we'll tackle the the in the third act first, just because that's I think where a lot of the contention with us with the, us in this movie comes in. It's like you said, Dan, you you are a little lost in that third act because it is just the shining again.
2: Yeah, I think the thing I appreciate the, appreciate the most about this movie is that for the first two acts it's very different than the tone of The Shining, the type of even the type of film that it is. Like I would have expected a sequel to The Shining, not knowing anything about the book, to be another haunted house movie. Another someone being driven insane by a haunted house. That's the sort of thing. And that's completely not what it is. It's about like vampires that feed on people's psychic souls or something. <laughs> I, like the, 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 that, what exactly they feed on is a little vague. But that that is a completely different premise, and it's a completely like left turn from what I would have expected the sequel to be. So that stuff I thought was really interesting, and that combined with seeing how Danny <laughs> Torrance inherited some of the demons that his father had. I liked all that stuff a lot and it and it was not relying on the nostalgia from the previous movie. And then in the third act, it just becomes, remember the axe from the hotel, remember the guy who says cool party, remember uh, the stare scene with the bat, like <laughs> remember the typewriter and all of that sort of stuff. And they also... Um, the the thing that I don't like about it the most, because the nostalgia stuff is is fine, like whatever, they got to do that, like you said, to please Warner Brothers, I guess, and the people that go to the movies to see that kind of thing. Um, but the thing that I didn't like about it the most is that this is supposed to be a sequel to the Kubrick version of The Shining, and the the goal of the hotel appear, is sort of ambiguous, but it appears to be wanting to incorporate people into its collective consciousness as spirits so that they can live in that 1929 Grand Ballroom pleasure fantasy. And the explanation that they give here is that the hotel is trying to, like the psychic vampires, feed on people's shine powers. And I just think that's way less interesting. And it kind of contradicts what Kubrick was thematically trying to do with the first movie. Um, So for me, as a fan of that movie, I don't like that. Um, But the rest of it is great. So... I'm of two minds about it. Like I like a lot of things about this movie. I don't think it's bad. I think it's a good movie. Um but by the third act it kind of falls apart, apart for me just because of the the thematic contradiction it makes as well, with the, the lore and the world that Kubra created in his movie. Um and um the nostalgia bait stuff because th- that stuff was just i i cringed every time like when danny torrance gets hit in the leg and then he's limping around just like jack nicholson with the axe i'm like come on this is so dumb <laughs> and, and i can
1: definitely i can definitely see where it comes from it and i think you know you have obviously your opinion is from seeing the movie and you yeah. may be onto something um But I think I think that's one of those things where it's starting to buckle under how many like balls they have to juggle with pleasing Warner Brothers, pleasing Stephen King, adapting very two very different um, source materials. That's
3: when we have to have that imagery, but we want it to be what it is in the book where it's feeding off of the shining. And uh, yeah, exactly. Just kind of buckles under all that. For me though, the the nostalgia stuff that kind of like makes me roll my eyes the most is the just random stuff. Like you get Rose the Hat walks in the hotel, she turns to her right, and it's just the blood elevator, and then she turns around and, and just like keeps walking. Like there's no <laughs> correlation to like, yeah. them no, even being no. in the same spot.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I was thinking weird. this when we when I was watching it last night. Um, and I don't really remember the theatrical cut because I've only seen it once. And I think this is the better version of that movie. Absolutely. Uh, the three-hour cut, yeah. But I, even I, like, I, I can't help but be at least somewhat fanboyish because, you know, I'm getting to see the stuff that I didn't get to see with, with Kubrick Shining. But I would have, I, I'm with you, I would have cut some of the nostalgia. Um, I love, but I love that shot of him looking in the door from where Jack, like, started knocking it down with the axe. Because Ian McGregor almost looks like he could play Jack Nicholson in this movie. Or not Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack
2: (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, he's a great Danny uh, Danny Torrance in this movie. I think Um, he's perfectly cast.
1: I think so too.
0: How I look into this third act, it also kind of... I'm a bit more down on this movie than I think some other people might be, and some of the third act definitely shows that to a bit, because I do like some of the stuff that does happen in the third act. I do once again, like the bar scene. But I also like that it's an inversion in some ways of how Jack Torrance was acting in The Shining. Um, Past that point, it's like, I then seem to get a more intimidating villain than I think Rose the Hat is throughout this movie. I have issues with how she's presented as a villain because I just don't find her intimidating at all. And I feel, unfortunately, that the movie reinforces that problem. Because then we get to the point where the mansion has these more intimidating characters here and more of a force of nature thing. Uh, I know others might disagree, but throughout this movie, I just was not, I was not intimidated by Rose at all as a villain.
1: See, I'm going to kind of agree with you because I don't think she's intimidating, but I don't think that's what's scary about her. It's the fact that she has no empathy. And what I really like is they establish that she's like the Scene where they're like torturing that child to get his steam is almost unco- is like really uncomfortable. Well, it's not yeah. that she's menacing, it's that she she's crazy, like she doesn't care But the movie yeah.
0: also seems to have an issue of let's make sure that our villain is very relatable because she does have empathy for her family, very much so to the point where quite literally she feels pain. Every time a family member is killed, especially during the climax of the movie, certainly the,
2: yeah, the thing that i I agree with john in in some ways, I think the thing that interested me about the like her and the rest of her family, I guess I agree with you that she does have empathy for her family, and that 's like an essential part of her character, but I also think it's interesting that they, because of the nature of what they are, I mean, it's, it's a typical kind of vampire thing, right? But, like, they view the Shining people as, like, cattle. Like, they're just food to them. Like, so they don't have empathy for them, they treat them like animals, you know? And that's what I think is scary about them, but, you know, it's a very classic uh, vampire horror trope in that way, and I think it works well enough here. Um, I, and, and I liked the actress's performance a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how kind of, like, wily and witty she was. And um, the fact that she, like, didn't have some patient, patience for some of the other family members, like, she, you know, when she's, like, meditating, and the guy, like, knocks on her door, and she's like, go away! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought
0: yeah, he was, um, like, funny in some ways, I too. I it, yeah. it more seriously if like the kid wasn't already trouncing her in their first confrontation. Well, that's True.
1: not a downfall of her. They established throughout the entire movie that Abra is extremely powerful.
0: Yeah, but the, but the fact that the, the villain seems to have no chance against her... Is I don't know, but I I I would have liked to have had that scene perhaps a lot later in the movie, not in like the middle.
1: But see, I'm I'm going to disagree with you because remember the scene where they fight is a is a carefully laid trap by by uh, Apra. When they meet again on even uh, even playing grounds in Danny's mind, um. She's winning at first, but then Rose at the end of the at the end is the victor until Danny comes in and saves her.
0: And their
2: trap goes wrong too;
1: <laughs> they
0: almost sure. lose.
2: Yeah, like.
0: Yeah. But I don't buy that she's going to succeed. She's already in a place where she can't win anyway.
2: Well, and the only way the only reason they do win is be, she wins is because Danny helps her when she like he like possesses her body and like steers the car into the tree and stuff. Like if yeah. if 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 they weren't working together, she definitely would have been eaten by. Them.
0: Well, the and, main reason they came yeah. there in the first place is because they knew it was dangerous because of the spirits that were already there. They did the work for them.
2: Well, and I mean that's
1: the other thing is they wouldn't have won if Danny hadn't set those ghosts free and effectively, you know, you know sacrificed himself. Yeah, and uh, the battle's already won once that happens. Well, but I mean that's that's the thing is it's the consequences of Danny sacrificing himself to stop this this monster and then he becomes the monster and it's it's back to paralleling him with his dad uh which is one of the main driving fo- focuses of this movie is paralleling you know Danny with with Jack uh
0: which yeah. is done beautifully in that bar scene oh no and i like that just rose the head as almost no power when when we go more into that theme <laughs>
3: Um, one thing I will say about her, and it's something I thought of since the first time I saw it, which is that opening scene with the little <laughs> girl is like the perfect Pennywise scene, and it's like ten times better than the both it movies combined, <laughs> where you can actually buy that she like brings like these kids in and then like takes them, as opposed to Pennywise who shows up and he's weird and like his eye goes off. <laughs> <and stuff>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I did, I did like that scene, so. Um but yeah, I like and I'm with
1: Dan. A lot of the stuff that I like in this movie is centered around Dan and about around Dan Torrance, uh and just paralleling him with Jack, and it culminates, I think, in that bar scene, which is my favorite scene in the movie. Um, I know people are mixed on whatever that guy's name is that's playing Jack in this movie.
0: That would be um, the kid for me too.
1: Yeah. But I think he works wonderfully, at least in that scene. Uh where he's he's Lloyd and Danny's kinda having the same uh similar conversation that Jack had with um the original guy.
3: Well see, I think this movie in general makes <laughs> such a good statement for why we need to stop doing the young CGI thing and just recast people. Especially with characters. uh Shelly Duval and um Scatman Crothers. both both <laughs> of those actors are so good. And they the Shelly <laughs> Duval uh woman, I don't know what her name is but she gets, like, even the tone of voice like, so scream, perfectly. dude, when she goes, yeah. she sounds just like it. her. <laughs> well, Dan well, and I like, were talking. You can't tell, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Well, Dan and I were talking about this a little bit, but the first time I saw this movie, I thought that was the guy from the original Shining movie playing Dick Holleran.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, the, to your point, John, about, like, the the character arc for Dan in this movie, that's, like, the the thing that I like the most about it and why... I don't completely dislike it because I think it's interesting that Dan Torrance at the beginning of the movie seems to be on the same track as his dad. He's sort of like an irresponsible um, drunk who doesn't care about people. He's stealing money from a hooker that also stole money from him um, but there's still that, like, spark of, of, of goodness in him when he, like, puts the, the kid on the bed and, like, Dick Halloran is the one that sort of, like, pulls him out of that because he's the, the one person that is, like, a legitimate father figure to him from the grave and, like, f- tries to help him get on the right path, which apparently Jack didn't have. And he finds a purpose that, like, being the doctor sleep that Jack wasn't able to find and being the hotel manager and the writer... Um, and that's kind of the difference between them like dan was able to find a purpose in this world that he's able to to help people and all of those sorts of the, the the all of the sorts of positive things that having a purpose in life gives you that helps him pull out of the alcoholism and all of that kind of thing i liked all of that character stuff a lot and i think that is the best part of the movie um for me anyway because i Mm -hmm. i i I think all of that paralleling and um the character work they get done with him is is great um and even the self-sacrifice thing at the end i think works i just wish it was in because it's a good culmination of all of the the stuff they've been they've been building throughout the movie what what, the the basic point is like you know jack swartz is a very selfish man the reason why he killed his family is because he was totally motivated by selfishness he 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 um wanted to, you know, have his family out of the way so he could be the the writer the, the writer that he thought he wanted to be live in this pleasure fantasy, whatever. Um Danny Torrance um chooses the complete opposite path. He sa- he sacrifices himself for something that's bigger than himself, um and and helps this little girl realize her own uh path and all those sorts of things. I think that's good. I just wish it was done in a different context than the nostalgia bait and like Contradicting the mythology of the previous movie that i liked you know yeah, yeah. and um, that's
1: that's completely fair and i li- part of the thing i liked most about them going back to the overlook is i think it's also a bit of facing your fears yeah because uh, i think they established that like he's still in a way traumatized uh yeah by mean, who wouldn't hotel. you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, all
0: that stuff he hits that bottle because uh his father did certainly you know, I <laughs> I like great the... this, in this movie i would
3: well, I like how we're dealing with the trauma stuff, too, at the beginning, where he's still haunted by all those ghosts from the Overlook.
2: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a little fuzzy on how you can make ghosts by, go away by, like, locking them in your mind. Like, that is a premise I'm like, that's kind of weird.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's not very I, well explained in the book either. I, I just... It, but I yeah. write it off as because of his shine and, like, because yeah, just, just he he's supposed to be... Powers. He's very powerful in The Shine, like like Appa Appa is later. He's like, Dick Halloran... I can't remember if Dick says it in The, in the Shining, the Kubrick film, but uh, in the book, uh, Halloran tells Danny, like, you have the strongest shine I think
0: I've ever seen. No, no, it's remember... not in that movie. Yeah, no. it's not
3: in the movie.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's it's kind of what's in the movie. He says it's a, a very strong shine. It, it says when they're on the park bench, I... Dick talks about that quite a bit. We're
1: talking yeah, but we're talking about it in the Kubrick movie. Oh,
0: um. Yeah, kind of. He kind um, of. One of
1: my in the book, one of my favorite like just character interactions in the in the Shining novel, um, is Dick Holleran has Danny just think at him really loud to test him. And he nearly like gives he gives him like a massive migraine because he's that like powerful.
3: Oh, interesting.
1: Uh, yeah. Um mm-hmm. uh, so, that's yeah, I mean, cool. that's just yeah. kind of been the only explanation that we really get for the, the box thing, is it's another thing of The Shine, and you'll see The Shining and, like, other, other Stephen King stuff, too.
3: Yeah, because The Shining feels a lot more like a superpower in this movie, I find. Yeah, I, I agree.
0: Yeah. would yeah, when McGregor plays a Jedi again.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, like... <laughs> yeah, and, like, different people have different Shining powers, where, like, what somebody can, like... Be more persu- persuasive. Like there's the Jedi mind trick girl. Yeah. And stuff like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Speaking and of, of her, uh, Austin, did you recognize her? Yeah. It's the girl from The Babysitter, right? Yeah. Uh, she's just, I guess, typecast as like bad characters now. Oh. <laughs> That's all if I've seen really, her in.
2: If you really like think like, shining stuff in this, it, it kind of does break down in some ways. It's like, okay, so like, you know, I get the inherence is powerful, but like, why didn't Dick Halloran lock any of these ghosts away in boxes before to stop all these people from murdering people? Yeah. Um, you know, um, w- w- it coincidentally, these psychic vampires that can sense shining people from all over the world didn't sense any of the people that could shine from the previous movie because we <laughs> needed the last movie to happen without them in it, you know? Um, but
1: yeah, it is one of the downsides of saying years later, there's these people that feed on, on.
3: uh That's where you get King show up and be like, ah, vampires. They feed on telekinetic power. <laughs>
1: I, I have to say though, Austin, with the with the like different kinds of shine, that one didn't bother me as much in the book, and I think that's another case where the movie is struggling to balance like the fifteen thousand different things that it has to be sequel to. Because if you read you read the book, right, Austin, mm-hmm. oh you Because in the book, Danny has like visions of the future, and that's one of the like hanging threads throughout that book is you he see hears someone that sounds like his dad like yelling at him that needs to take his medicine and it's like built- you know building to the to the climax of course, but he doesn't he can't articulate that to his parents, so it feels more like just well, we've seen somebody who can see the future and now there's like these other people that can do
3: these other things um which yeah, is that's the, that's the tony thing where he thinks it's his dad but it's like him in the future yeah.
1: um which is one of the reasons why i i, I know we, we wouldn't have done it but i think we should have re remade the shining before we we did dr sleep because you know as
0: much as i love this movie it does kind of start to collapse under the weight of everything it's trying yeah. to be I've heard a lot of people say that Dr. Sleep should have been like a mini series and give some time for development with like the past before getting into like the book to a certain degree. I think doing that might have been better than a director's cut, like three hour long movie. I think it needed a little bit more development, maybe a bit. I don't know.
3: Maybe, but oh, I don't really have an issue with that stuff. For me, it's just like it would have been nice if you cut at least. One or two uh, nostalgia things at the end. Like before that, I think I would like this movie quite a lot. Yeah,
2: I kind of wish the movie ended with a like after the little girl like cra- crashes in the car. Um, like they had a fight in the woods and then the movie ended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like maybe
3: that would. Yeah, that uh, that yeah been
0: maybe, maybe the rose head is just like observing for a bit and then she comes in. Yeah,
2: Sunshine. exactly.
0: Yeah, because because the movie's an hour longer than it should be. Uh, just after after the woods scene, you're we're already prepared for the climax. I think.
2: Yeah, and and like as a fan of that, like the Shining movie, I, there's just like stupid things about like them even going to the hotel in the winter. Like in the Shining movie, they say like it no snows so much there. That the reason why the Torrances go there in the first place is because Noah can drive through the snow up there in the winter, and like Danny Torrance is like, I'm gonna go with my Toyota Camry <laughs> up up the mountains in the winter, and it's so like there's the cops no coming snow. at the end. Yeah, it's <laughs> like this this is supposedly not possible in the first movie. They have to have specific like snow vehicles to be able to go down the mountain because it snows so much. But in this movie, they forget about that because yeah, you got to make Stephen
1: King. It, it's, it's global warming damn <laughs> right. well you know you, you got to make Stephen king happy
0: or this movie isn't happening <laughs> sure. um another another weird thing was was some contrivances. um i i do like the the woods battle i do wonder why they didn't put the girl in a hotel or something like that so that she wouldn't be in the one place where they knew that you know where rosa had has been i suppose I feel like to a certain extent that that stuff could have been really avoidable if they just planned ahead with that.
3: I think they just didn't think that their plan would fail. There, there were two Yeah, ones. I think
1: it's just a case
3: of them underestimating who they're dealing with and Rose the Hat outsmarting them. I think the question is much more if the one dude knew to go to the house instead, why did the other ones still that want for the trap? That is
0: another question there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's true. I didn't even
3: think about that. <laughs> it, it's like I, I, I didn't think about it until this viewing. I was like, wait a minute. They
0: a were all thing. like together. Why did he what did he tell them what he was? It, it seems like two contrivances <laughs> on top of each other. One, we have to put Abra in the situation where she can be kidnapped, and we also have to like artificially create the sense of twist or something. I mean aside from that, I really liked it. I liked the gunplay. Although I do wonder sometimes why having vampires that could be killed by bullets. It, well, it, but
1: they're not vampires in, like, their traditional sense.
0: That's true. I understand that. I don't know. At least they're immortal, and they could, like, heal themselves if you didn't. Yeah, they mostly they, just suck. They just don't suck blood.
1: But even then, like, they establish at the beginning that they're not immortal. They just age much slower. Oh, so, um, what I mean.
2: Um, that old guy that lived to see the rise and fall of the Roman Empire must have yeah. like been really safe this entire time.
0: <laughs> yeah, he yeah, must have. I don't. Well, know and that's, that's the book book coming out. from yeah.
1: Well, and that's how that, like I mentioned, they kill a lot of them in the book is with with disease because none of them have like immune immune systems.
2: That would have been cool to see stuff like that.
0: It, I remember uh, they were during the Black Death then. If they needed to feed, like in Europe, certainly. I don't know. I don't
2: know. I mean, the mythology of this seems to suggest that more people shined in the past than now. That's true. Yeah, yeah, but it's sort of vague. I wasn't really sure. Um, Is that expanded upon in the book? Like, why there are more shining people in the past than there are in the present? I think they
1: give like a one or two sentence line about it, but it's been a while since I've read it. But that is very much a thing in the book. Is the, the steam that they're getting is getting weaker and like more of them are going hungry. Like they're kind of they're pushed to a point of desperation, which is why they're after ABBA or Abra. Because she is uh Gotta kill the dancing queen. <laughs> because she is so she powerful in the, in the It's because these
3: wooden chemicals in our water that are turning our freaking steam gay. Because
1: <laughs> uh, obviously Abra Abra is very you could almost parallel her to Dan from from the shining' cause she, now she's the young kid with a much more
2: powerful connection to the shining and yeah, and she you know she lost her dad, but her dad and her dad is a drinker here too, because he has to like drink to deal with the, you know, Andy's the a writer. yeah um but he but he's like a good person um and I think you know it, it's interesting like the generation's theme that um uh, Milton was touching on like she, you know, the, the efforts of the prior generations have made this this girl like a better person than Dan and Jack were, obviously, um and carrying the torch of dealing with the 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 ghosts of The Shining. Like it's it shows at the end of the movie. She's kind of like passed on to that burden when she sees the creepy old lady in the in in the bathtub. So like my question was like if someone has all of the Shining ghosts locked in their mind when they die do they all get released. Is that the idea?
0: They just explode. Vape, uh, or did I they, would like, assume it's one of two
2: things. After he releases them in, at the end of the movie or something.
0: It, it could be perhaps that their souls are trapped, maybe within these vampires, perhaps. I, 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 I wish know. we would have gone more into for For a movie that likes to explain everything, they don't seem to explain some of the things in mythology. More well, more. I think some of that is just there aren't a
1: lot of answers because King so. is more interesting. I lo- and this is a common thing with King's books, is he's more interested in the character stuff. Yeah, which uh, is
2: totally fine with me. Like, I yeah. think all the character stuff is great. Um, you
1: know. I I would assume it's one of two things. Because since they these are very much the book ghosts that feed on, the, the steam, on steam, Yeah, uh, they would either eventually wither away because there's no food left, or they would be released. Interesting. Or cycle out, as they call them.
2: Yeah, like the old guy that that happens to
0: in this. Yeah. Um,
2: but
1: yeah, uh, any any final thoughts on Doctor Sleep? Because I think we're we're getting close to two hours.
2: <laughs> um, I don't think so. I mean, I would definitely recommend. Surprisingly, people uh, take a look at it. Um, like when this was announced, I was like, "Oh, like that sounds really cynical," <laughs> but it's surprisingly like a a pretty enjoyable watch um it's not a movie i'm going to go back to as much as the shining i don't think um but you know watching it um the second time i had a worse viewing than the first time where i enjoyed it pretty well but i still enjoy all the things that are good about the movie i think there's a lot of good writing um especially like we said like i was talking about with danny torrance's character and what john mentioned as well um yeah i mean it's it's a it's one of the least cynical like sequel things that of of a of a classic movie franchise i mean it's only one movie, so I don't know if you can call it a franchise i guess it is now um that I've seen i mean it does have some of that at the end, but like for the first two hours of the movie, I think it's pretty good
3: mm-hmm although Mike i, I bet do. warner brothers is really pissed off with king that he didn't call the book shining 2 or something yeah or like uh, some sort of reference. this movie
2: <laughs> yeah or like some sort of reference to uh the first one i'm kind of surprised they didn't retitle it to be honest because the doctor sleep plot uh, in here is so minimized like he doesn't really do all th- that very much in this at all yeah. there's a couple of scenes with it but it's well, it's a damn shame that this underperforms so badly like
3: yeah. Well, it seems I, to just be this franchise because I don't think The Shining did super well. But I could yeah, be I'm wrong. that. Sure, uh, obviously, the... we know like the, it critically uh, was bashed.
0: Well, so, the uh... budget for the original Shining was $19 million. The return was $47 million. For the oh, okay, Shining. well, never mind. Fuck um, my point, then. For, for Dr. Sleep, <laughs> not counting in marketing because there's a huge budget that goes into that, Um, Budget was between forty five and fifty five million dollars. The budget range is vague for Doctor Sleep, and the box office is approximately seventy two million dollars. Mm -hmm. But they say that it underperformed. When
3: they tried their best to be like, no, no, this is a shining sequel. Look, Red Rum. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I remember
2: the poster was like Danny Torrance on the tricycle thing in the hotel. Oh,
3: I don't uh... think I've seen that. Yeah, I actually
1: really do like that poster because uh, it's like the bottom half is him on the tricycle, like going up a hallway and it's all red and like the upper upper
3: half is, you know, adult, Oh Wait, but... is it Kid Danny Torrance on the tricycle? Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Second you said it, I imagined you and McGregor on the tricycle. That would have been amazing. That's why I was like, that's such
0: terrible. <laughs> oh, you and McGregor's on a tricycle.
1: Uh, but yeah, I know it posted because the, the digital copy of the book I have has that cover. Where it's like the upper half is adult Danny Torrance and like the bottom half is yeah. Uh, okay. It reminded me a lot of the episode one poster where you got like Anakin and his
0: shadow is Darth Vader. Yeah.
2: Yes, no, it is pretty similar to that. I didn't think of that comparison, but you're definitely
0: right. I found the image of post in the gen chat by the way for a nice. reference. Um yeah. I I like Ewan McGregor in this film. I I feel sad that he kept, keeps getting tied to. Weird projects that never, don't really seem to pan out that much. Rip Birds of Prey. <laughs> that movie's just embarrassing. I, mean, I feel hey, embarrassed for everyone This involved. movie's
3: still so pretty good. This isn't Birds of Prey. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah. uh, he just hasn't gotten a lot of hits Like past what he's most well-known for is a very troubling prequel trilogy. Aside from that, he has a few odd things hey, here and the there. The prequels are he's wonderful. he but not much beyond that. It's a shame because he's a great actor. He clearly is. Um, But I mean Uh, that uh, that that, like speech he has to. How far they're willing to
3: go with like him uh, hitting rock bottom? Like when he turns in bed and like that prostitute or whatever, she's like dead in his bed, and she's got the like dead baby. (laughs) That's crazy.
0: Yeah, that was a great scene. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah, and there's like the fly like flying around in the inside of her eye.
0: Yeah, whenever the movie was getting to that stuff of like character, you know, focus with Danny, that was like I think where the movie was at its best.
1: Um, Agreed. Well, I mean, that's that's Stephen King's like highlight is he has these wonderful horror concepts, like like with the movies that we watched today, a guy trapped in a hotel going crazy, or you know, uh, a bullied girl with powers. But what carries those concepts is the the characters and like their interactions and
3: the development. But yeah, the magical about... white powder that gives him the ideas.
0: <laughs> no, that was all... just for Kuja. Yeah. How do you all feel about the child act- actress for Abra? I thought she I'm... was good.
1: Yeah, yeah I, she's,
0: she's splitting her. I'm not sure. It... I didn't think she was bad. I just I felt there was something missing, but I guess I'm criticizing child actors too much, I, su- I suppose. See, uh, I would I say... Mean, like,
2: if you weren't that... feeling her performance, that's totally fair. I I didn't really think about um her being bad or anything um but she wasn't like stand out amazing to me either you know yeah I she's she was good. she's kind yeah, like bot of just like a bot movies
3: have solid child performances obviously that's something that kind of plagues a lot of stuff with child actors i think well, i feel like
1: we're are, we're kind of getting better with that like good. there's some good yeah. ch- child actors out there nowadays
3: well yeah, yeah. but like, uh, although it's a speaking, lot of bad ones
1: yeah speaking of uh, child, children actors uh, I don't know if you know this Dan but the original Danny Torrance has a cameo in this movie
3: oh yeah. who, who does he play yes. Uh, yes. he's in the baseball scene um, I think he's one of the guys where they're like check out this kid look at the arm on him oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he's the main
0: supporter for that kid who gets murdered um, and buried in a shallow grave
2: uh, oh interesting okay yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: cause he, not, I almost forgot not, about that you know.
1: Yeah. that's cool yeah because uh he i think the shining is like the only movie he ever did
0: and the kid from et plays the ghost of jack torrance in the hotel it's well, weird He's in, in like
3: every uh mike flanagan thing sees yeah, game too, and uh hunting of hill house yeah he's Another. just kind
1: of a regular flanagan actor
3: mm-hmm Yeah, yeah, exactly. He brings a lot of regulars into most of his stuff, but I think he's the only one he brings in this movie, with the exception of the older vampire guy who is the boogeyman from Gerald's Game.
0: Yes. Oh, he's he's other stuff. He's another a lot of other stuff too. I forget. Well, yeah, but we just
1: mean like the other.
3: Uh, Flanagan projects. Another Flanagan stuff. Get out of here with your <laughs> filmography
0: listing. <laughs> Carol uh, Strucken. <laughs> Strucken is great, and not just in Mike Flanagan stuff.
1: Can, can we just give Mike Flanagan like more Stephen King projects because he clearly understands this material? Like, oh
3: yeah,
0: he's in
1: Twin Peaks.
3: Well, Mike Flanagan seems to just like doing hunting stuff because it's all he like ever does, with the exception of uh, Hush, which is like a slasher film. But he mostly just does uh different haunting things.
2: I haven't watched Haunting of Hill House. Is that any good?
3: Mm-hmm. I like what That's I've good. seen of it. I, I it's one of those things
1: where I'm not a big fan of like haunting stories, uh, but I like I like his work. He's one of my favorite modern directors. But it's also just it's a like what six or seven
3: hour miniseries. series. Yeah. Yes. And so it's and just a like, to
2: one too. It's like
3: Blythe House or something,
2: right? Yeah, Blind but I House. think he
3: was less involved with that. I I only watched part of the first episode. I I need to go back. to Yeah, that one. because and he's uh, making a third show too.
1: Because oh, cool. uh, Jay from Red Letter Media tweeted about it, and they cast uh, one of the guys from The Room, uh, Greg something, Greg, Greg S- Sestero. Yeah, he's in that, that show.
3: show? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I actually God,
0: forgot I about that. I'm going through the disaster artist right now, actually. He <laughs> seems very sincere. Thank you,
1: Austin. The only thing I could think of was Greg Nicotero, who's a completely
0: different person. Did you know Greg Sistero was almost one of the hobbits in The Lord of the Rings? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah he, was, yeah, he was almost cast in the...
3: <laughs>
0: That's amazing. But he was too well built. He was too tall. Damn.
1: Now... <laughs> All right. Uh, my final thoughts are just, this is both a an adaptation, of course, of the book, but it's also the shining adaption that I, in a way, I've been waiting for. Uh, well, this...
3: except for the miniseries, which is God. the adaptation.
1: <laughs> I, I'm going to watch that one of these days. Austin, I'm going to make you watch it too. We're going to review it. That's fine, and then I'm gonna be like, that.
2: If you "Are guys you happy have you got back, what you maybe? wanted?"
1: Hey, you're welcome back anytime. I just got to find a way to watch it.
0: Stephen <laughs> yeah. King even wrote that miniseries. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I find ways to watch everything if you guys. But watch uh, it. this so movie so
1: also much. made me appreciate uh, the Shining as a a film more because I can kind of look at that as its own thing since we have a good adaptation of that material. Uh, not to say that, of course, you know, like I said, the Shining is a good movie. It's just, in my opinion, a bad adaptation. Um, but yeah i'm over i'm gonna give this 4.5 stars and i will definitely watch this again uh what about you dan what what what
2: you think uh i'd probably give it like a three and a half um i think it's a good solid movie um that has a third act that i don't like as much but i think thematically and character wise everything tracks um and for most of the movie it's like so radically different from what I would have expected a shining sequel to be that. I really like that. It's very bold in that regard. Um, I like that they were unafraid to just go and make a movie that wasn't exactly the same thing as the shining again. Um, It was definitely not the force awakens of the shining uh, you know, which I really appreciate. Um, because a lot of these sort of soft reboots. It's, Here's the old the old cast passing the torch to the new generation, and it's basically the same movie setting up to like go and do new stuff after. I liked it. It was different. So um yeah, I definitely recommend people watch it. It's it's good. All
3: right, uh Austin. Uh so to capitalize on that Force Awakens thing, the first time I saw this, uh when we got to Danny, I was like, where well, when uh Abra goes to Danny, I was like Oh, so this is The Last Jedi done well, right? Like, (laughs) she shows up and he's like, fuck out, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I'm old and I don't care. (laughs) But we actually made a good movie. Um, I'm going to give this, like Noah says, I'm going to give this a four out of five, I think. Um, I, I like this movie a lot up until the climax. And even then... I probably like it maybe a little bit more than you guys do. For me, it's just like you need to cut like a few of them. Like the climax itself, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. I just need less references in it. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'm more uh, annoyed by the pointless ones, like like I said, like the blood elevator and stuff like that. Uh, but also, the first time I saw it when we got to the hotel. I expected it was just going to be, like, Home Alone, but instead of Traps, it would be the ghost. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, the I see uh, that vampire movie. lady, like, walks walks into one room, and you get, like, the twins, and then they attack her, and she's like, whoa, and then walks into the next room, and, oh, it's the bathtub lady, whoa! And then it's the cool party guy. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, the Winnie the Pooh's trying to blow her, and it's like, whoa. <laughs> no, no, the
0: President of China is trying to blow
3: but, her. But, uh, yeah, so at least it wasn't that, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, it kind, they kind of did do that at, at the very
3: end But at least all it's all, them. like, all of them at once It's not, like... yeah true
1: also again kudos to the casting because when they like zoom in on the two little girls uh it's mm-hmm. almost identical to the original movie Some
2: some of the ghosts are well cast but some of them are terribly cast like the good party guy sounds <laughs> nothing like the old one and looks nothing like him
1: <laughs> you could tell which ones they cared about
2: yes exactly
1: you got you gotta get the hello, Danny, uh, girls right because everybody. Yeah, not that, that
2: I was like ne- going to this movie needing. Oh, they better get the good party guy right. But it's very noticeable. You know? Well, that's
3: Dan's favorite I'm ghost. Like, you know? I like the guy that plays Jack, but he, he's not doing a Jack Nicholson.
2: <laughs> he's not, and I kind of appreciate that.
3: You know. No, definitely, yeah, because at least it's not like. Um, just like an impersonator or something like that. Oh, like man. it could have gone way too terrible. far. <laughs> well, and I, I,
1: he's part of my. He's one of my favorite things about the scene with him and uh, Danny, because like Danny is giving this really like heartfelt speech, and he's just like, I'm, I'm afraid you got me mistaken. You know, I'm. My name is Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> and I, I feel so bad for Danny in that scene.
3: Yeah,
1: because he just he wants to clear things with his father, but.
3: Oh, and the part where he talks about like when Wendy dies. So good. Oh, yeah. yeah. That
1: whole speech is just like Ian McGregor acting his like ass off and the guy playing Jack just being like, sorry, you have me mistaken with someone else.
2: Oh yeah, it's great.
1: Um but yeah, Milton, what is your your final
0: score? One point five. No, no, <laughs> it's not Sorry, 1.9. I I can recognize it's not a bad movie, and I recognize the things that it's doing, and I appreciate some of it. I'm not. The third act is its own thing. I like to try to not criticize the movie too much for that. So, kind of putting some of that aside, it may be a taste thing. I don't think the villains are doing it for me. I buy them as characters within the story. I guess I just needed something different. Coming from an antagonist, I suppose, for my own viewing pleasure, I'm not sure. You um, McGregor, McGregor is great. The cast is great. They're doing their jobs. Um, I don't know. I can't. Maybe I'll need to watch it again. Maybe I'll need to watch it again with people. Maybe see what's up. But totally fair. I'm gonna say 2.75 out of five. It's like it's better than average, but I can't. Dan, you, do you want to replace this guy, because, I mean, we can make
1: that happen.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. No, it, it's okay,
1: because when we do Halloween, it's going to be like Civil War with uh, me and Austin.
2: Here. <laughs> oh, you guys want right. the original Halloween?
1: Uh, around yeah. Halloween time, yeah. Around Halloween, and I yeah. famously, don't, I, I like that movie, but I don't love
2: it.
0: But, uh, 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 yeah, it's yeah, like no, Austin's fair. favorite <laughs>
2: That's but, one of my favorite horror movies, too. I love the original It's Hall so week. good. But,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, It's alright. I guess I'm just disappointed that Greg Sistero's not in it as Frodo or something. I don't know. As, no, he so, should have been the great
3: party, been. party guy. No, Greg Sestero should have been Abro. What the fuck are you guys talking <laughs> about?
2: <them? laughs>
0: Talk <laughs> about whitewashing. Gre- Greg Sestero
2: plays, plays an 11-year-old black child.
3: <laughs> no, no. Uh, oh. Tommy Wiseau comes in. No, well, to Tommy would be Rose the
0: Hedge oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> why have I'm you have a to eat it, you huh? <laughs>
3: <laughs> come okay. here you uh, little bitch <laughs> alright guys lying. it is nearing
1: 1 yeah. o'clock so we're going to wrap up this stream uh, Milton and I will be back Sunday we both watched uh, season 1 of Buffy we're going to do maybe like an hour long talk about it uh Austin you're more than welcome to be there I know you've seen that as well uh well I got
3: a I got a Simpsons review to do on Sunday so fuck
1: the Simpsons
3: right John no <laughs> <laughs> no nah, nah, uh that that's cool
1: just if you're available feel free to hop in uh we're gonna be doing I talked Milton into doing season by season uh reviews uh, Dan you're ball. more than welcome to come back anytime you want just if there's a movie you think might be fun to talk about let us know uh
2: absolutely cool. and let me know like what you guys have on the docket too because you know i'm willing to be exposed to uh new new horror movies too because I, I like the genre i yeah. just uh i haven't watched as many of them as you guys have um, yeah
3: but yeah, we'll just uh, skip anime <laughs> <laughs> no horror so movies?
1: uh when saying. when we end the stream uh i'll run some of the movies that we're doing in the next couple of weeks by and see if any of them catch your eye awesome um, That's good but uh we appreciate you guys being here. We'll try to get some gaming streams done as well uh, over on Twitch, and I upload them uh, here on YouTube as well. But we appreciate you guys, and we appreciate Dan for being here, a great addition to the insanity that is this show. Thanks uh, for this having will... me, guys. It was a great time. <laughs> and this will be up on Anchor and Spotify tomorrow, I believe. But until then, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great yeah, night. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Thank you for watching.